All right, and good morning. Welcome to episode two of the Toddcast. Um, this episode is largely going to be something of an audio test because I just left my parking spot and I am driving to work. And the basic premise here is to see how the audio sounds when I'm driving. If you can pick up the road noise, if you can hear the traffic around me, etc. Um, see how that works out. Um, did one of these last night, and uh, without much forethought, inadvertently, you know, deleted it. Um, listened to it back, and it sounded good, but of course I listened to it while I was in the car amongst the road noise I was trying to detect in the recording, which seems less than ideal. Um, basically occurred to me right after I uh, hit the discard audio button, and I'm like, hmm, you know, maybe that wasn't necessarily the best test from a listening perspective. Uh, so we're going to uh, basically do this again. Um, and listen to it at some point when I'm, you know, not in a vehicle and see what the impact there is, and we'll go from there. Um, I fully expect this episode to be deleted. I'm pretty sure I probably have to, like, do the publish it thing to the world um, to properly listen to it um, and make sure that it's actually good to be a true test. Thought this out a little bit more this go-around. And, uh... So it'll hit, you know, the world. You all get to enjoy this. All, you know, one of you. I think that's that's uh, Eric at this point. So hi, Eric. Um, if you, you know, get a chance to listen to this before I do, possibly, or um, if I, I have some sort of delay in deleting it, um, you know, there's that. Um, otherwise, I tend on wiping this sucker out because this is not not exactly quality content. I think it's safe to say. Um, me rambling extremely meta about the recording that I'm doing. It just doesn't seem like a compelling situation uh, for anyone to want to listen to. So I'll shut up about that now and um, try and think of something else to talk about. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, when I got the Anchor app, it was like, hey, yeah, podcast, we'll do that. You know, sort of brainstorming topics for discussion um, was mildly inspired by um, some of the political nonsense that's that's been going on of late. And quick side note, no, I'm not going to get all political and start talking, you know, talking points on this uh, Democrat or Republican or liberal or conservative or any of that, but more the actual, you know, process. Um, by that, I mean the um, filibustering situation where somebody can, you know, get up and as long as they don't sit down and they keep talking and so on and so forth, they can just, you know, tie things up until um, to prevent things from happening is, is as I generally understand it. You know, I, I am not a lawyer. I'm not a major political um, person who knows how all those things work. But that, that's the layman's 
point of view on what that's all about. Um, you know, it seems like something that everyone gets real excited about one way or the other. Um, if it's your team doing it, you think it's, you know, just and necessary to uh, achieve your goals. If it's the other person doing it, it seems like a bunch of cheaty shenanigans to hold up the the true process. Um, either way, um, it's an interesting concept, and I kind of wondered if I would be able to pull something like that off. Um, also, quick shout-out to uh, that episode of, of Parks and Rec where um, dude whose name I am just blanking out on by virtue of 7.40 in the morning uh, did an excellent bit of filibustering, um, you know, involving Star Wars and, you know, Marvel Comics, etc., and it was, it was pretty fantastic. So the basic idea here is just to have a nice verbal run-on sentence and see how long we can keep that going. And maybe it's interesting, maybe it isn't, maybe it sounds like somebody rambling endlessly for no good reason. And uh, if that's how it comes across, that's because, you know, that's essentially what it is in this case. Um, you know, had this been an actual political procedure, there would be some topic that I was fighting desperately either for or against that would uh, provide, you know, a good basis for the the ongoing rants, uh, which is just not the case here. I've got I've got no no dog in this fight other than I just want to yammer on and chat for as long as humanly possible. So that's what we've got going. Um, we can uh, talk about uh, you know any number of things. Um, for lack of a better thing to go with, and because, hey, let's face it, I'm a fan, and I've already mentioned it once, let's go with Star Wars. Um, no, it shouldn't surprise anyone who knows me. Um, you know, my uh, my experience with Star Wars goes all the way back to, well, essentially the beginning. Um, you know, uh, as a youngin', uh, I'm honestly trying to remember if I saw the movie first, and then got action figures, or vice versa, I'm tempted to think that I actually got the action figures first. Um, born in 75, the movie came out in, I want to say, 77. I just don't know that seeing Star Wars as a two-year-old w- would likely have actually, you know, registered on me as a child. Um, I remember going to movies when I was very little. Um, I remember going to, you know, a drive-in. I believe it was Jungle Book. Man, I did not, I did not last for that. I, I did not see that whole movie. I passed out because, you know, two years old. That's what you do. Um, you know, so it must have been re-released at some point. Uh, I remember that, you know, when I first got Star Wars exposure... Uh, we were still living on the island, and since we moved from there when I was four or five, uh, that's probably about how old I was. I mean, it's hard to give a good concept of time um, when you're that age because you don't have any real frame of reference. Um, you know, for young people on that level, you know, a day an eternity you know, proportionally to your total lifespan, you know, 
a month is a giant chunk of time, whereas, you know, as a 43-year-old, you know, a day is nothing. I can't remember what happens one week to the next because it all flies by. When you're when you're that young, time just goes forever. Um, incidentally, stopped at a signal, got a turn signal going. Not sure if you can hear that clicking. Something we'll have to look into. Um, but anyway, it's real hard for me to pin down what particular age I would have been at that time. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm able to remember location and that being our house. Uh, on Wheeling Island, um, which gives me something of a benchmark. Like I said, it was before I was five, but um, I'm going to go with four, four and a half, something like that. Um, but I remember getting the first action figures, and I got Luke and Darth Vader, and um, I want to say R2-D2, Maybe Leia. I don't know. It was the, you know it was the basic figures. I know it wasn't Han. I know it. My first ones weren't Chewbacca or C-3PO, and that's because at some point after I got the first ones, um, I had uncles who lived in Chicago. They came in to visit, um, and they're the ones that gave me um, C-3PO and Chewbacca. Um, and I remember that specifically because Chewbacca had no neck. That, imp- that for some reason, left an impression on me as a child. Uh, you know, all the other figures, you know, had, you know, a few points of articulation. You could, you know, bend their legs at the hip. You could bend their arms at the, at the, the shoulder. And they had, you know, necks where you could twist their head. And Chewbacca, furry some bitch that he is, um, they effectively had no neck because the way his fur was, he was looking forward at all times, no other option. Um, for some reason, that struck me, and then um, C-3PO sticks out in my brain because he was, um, I don't know if it's the process or he was a different plastic or whatever, but whereas the normal figures were made of, of a, you pull them out and you can immediately start, you know, bending their arms and legs to have them sit down and whatnot. Um, our boy C-3PO was, like, rock solid, and you had to, like, really work to move his joints um, and kind of work them back and forth to loosen them up before they would really become things you could do anything with. Um, and, again, that that stuck out to me um, even at a young age. So I distinctly remember, you know, getting getting him. Um, but again, even at four, like I know I went and saw the movie sometime around then. It had to have been, um, and, and I, I want to say it must have been like '79. They must have like re-released it to theaters prior to um, them wanting to do Empire, um, because. I couldn't have seen it in 77. That just wouldn't make any sense for a two-year-old to actually, you know, register that movie. And I remember when I saw it at first that, you know, I I watched the movie. I was, you know, wrapped with attention and, and took it all in. And, you know, I remember, you know, plot points. Like, not necessarily the, the whole 
thing. I mean, I, I was four, but I remember the basic concepts, and I just don't see getting that at two. So, um, you know. But I do remember seeing it in theater. It actually had to have been a re-release prior to Empire, because I remember at the end of the movie, there was... Uh, like a like a trailer, like a like a preview trailer for um, Empire, and it was sweet because you know not only had I just seen this thing that was super awesome, but the immediate preview of oh hey there's more of this coming was 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 pretty awesome as well. Um, so, and I know I didn't get Han because I got Han same time I got the Millennium Falcon, and I, you know, that was a big deal. Um, I distinctly remember that one Christmas after we had moved um, up into the hills, and that's when I got the Falcon, and that's when I got Han. Um, that Christmas was a sweet, sweet haul, because I got the Falcon, I got an X-Wing, I got Darth Vader's TIE Fighter, um, it was it, it was it was pretty damn majestic. Um just good good times. Um yeah. Wish like heck I still had really any of that. Um you know, it really goes to show what the uh the marketing <laughs> for that for that series did and you know, a lot of people will attribute you know, George Lucas as, you know, some sort of genius that, uh, for having the forethought to, you know, do the paperwork such that he gets a cut of all the, the merchandising and, you know, and you'll hear people talk about, oh, oh, they didn't really do that before then. You know, they, they licensed things for toys and whatnot, but no, no one took it to the level that, that Star Wars did to get that ball rolling. Um, and, you know, I'm I'm proof of that and that that worked and how that worked because they like said I I had the toys before I ever saw the movie um, and you know bought to you know got the toys like crazy I say bought toys I was a child I wasn't buying shit uh, <laughs> had the toys bought for me begged pleaded whined cried whatever to get the toys that that was more of my role in that situation. Um, it worked. I had a, I had a, you know, a whole ridiculous slew of them. Um, side tangent, it's, it's a little sad that that's less the case now. I mean, you, you can, you can go on about it being, you know, commercialized and, and commoditized. Have fits about, you know, oh, well, you know, you're just giving money to whatever, but here's the thing. Yes, I had all all those figures, and yeah, they all had names and backstories and, and whatever. And you know, later in life, people would you know collect them, keep them in their cardboard packaging, whatever, and you know for the money. But man, as a kid, those things were just awesome because I made up my own stories. I had they had their own adventures, you know, they would go and do things, I formed my own little teams, you know, and part of that was just, some of these figurines were, you know, shown in the movie for all of five seconds, and, you know, yeah, they gave them a name, and you might have some rough idea, but 
you didn't know anything about them. You had to make that stuff up um, for reasons that I still just don't even begin to understand why. For me, R5-D4 and Boba Fett were like a duo. Like, that was that was a team. Like, for some reason that I don't quite get, those those guys always work together, you know, as a combo. Um I also think it's weird that, you know, as a as a young person, um I somehow was able to glean and identify that while Boba Fett was clearly not a hero, that he wasn't necessarily a villain either, in the same sense that, you know, the stormtroopers and and Darth Vader were. Uh Somehow, before I even knew what the word mercenary meant, I knew that he was essentially one of them, that he was one of those people that kind of existed on the fringes. And Yeah, what he was doing was, you know, not good and righteous, but he wasn't necessarily, you know, out specifically looking to, you know, do evil. I mean, yeah, he, you know, killed people for money, which is, you know, clearly not a good thing, but it was he, he wasn't, you know, the emperor or Vader levels of whatever. Um so I'd have these adventures, and you know, Boba Fett would be, you know, playing playing the middle, um, you know, against the Empire and the Rebellion. And for whatever reason, R five D four hanging with him, constant companion, doing whatever it was he did. I, you know, I'd be lying if I said I remembered, you know, a lot of the specific plot points of the, you know, various adventures I crafted as a youngin. But for some reason, it distinctly sticks out in my brain that the two of those were a combo. Um, and, and to me, that's a beautiful thing, because nowadays kids don't see, I, I, I don't know if they lack the opportunity, or the impulse, or the experience, or what it is, but you just, I don't see that so much these days, um, with kids, um, Little little kids, you see, I, I've I've seen that, you know, like pre kindergarten, uh, you know, I got a niece that she, she just makes up some of the craziest shit, and will you know pick up a random object and it is magically a different thing, um, you know, they make believe, they they play pretend, they they make this shit up as they go, um, but it just seems like in this day and age that at, at a certain point that all goes away because they they'd much rather watch someone else's imagination on TV or, or just play, you know, a video game and go with that story. And, you know, the the creation aspect, the imagination aspect of it just seems to wither and go sooner. Because, I mean, I... Maybe not my proudest situation, but, you know, at the same point, I don't, I don't care. I mean, I was getting action figures and toys, fuck, up until I was in, like, high school, uh, I still had the dudes, now, did I play with them the same way I did when I was, you know, seven, running around the backyard, you know, flying around doing adventures, no, but I still had them and still, you know, in quiet times, grounded in my room, would be like, oh, yeah, or so-and-so did this and that to the other guy, and whatever, again, did not document the plot points. Couldn't begin to tell you one of those stories. Um, but I remember doing it. You know, there were there were points where um, where we lived, 
um, downtown there was a toy store. And it's a magical sort of a place in that it was it's not and never was like a chain toy store. It was, you know, a family who, you know, had a toy store. And they sold, you know, regular toy, a wide variety of, of, of toys. Um, you know, you go into, you know, most toy stores and it's all, you know, extremely, you know, the popular stuff, the licensed stuff, you got your Barbies, you got your Star Wars, you got your, your, your Hot Wheels, you know, they've got your run-of-the-mill board games, they've got, you know, stuffed animals, the, the, the stuff that you expect to see in any toy store in, say, the mall, right? This store was, like, three or four-story building, um possibly with a basement, if memory serves. Um, yeah, they, yeah, because that's where they had the bikes. I mean, and they had all the toys you would get anywhere else. You know, They also had, like, a whole, like I said, the basement was the bike department. And I'm not like, oh, here's three or four bikes, kids. I'm talking, like, bikes, helmets, all the accessories. Like, there was, like, a bike shop where you could have your stuff, you know, tweaked, adjusted, fixed, whatever in there. Like, it was essentially a bike shop in the basement of this toy store, but it was part of the toy store. Um, you go up to the, the you know, the, the back wing, and there was a whole section on smart toys, let's call it, and not smart in the, you know, electronic smartphone type things, but, like, intelligent toys, like science kits and, you know, things that would, you know, microscopes, telescopes, that sort of thing. Um, to where you could get, you know, cool stuff that was not just, you know, a dumb plastic character kind of a thing. Um, they were the only place that I think I've ever seen that sold Playmobil. Um, and Playmobil is some awesome shenanigans, um, also. Um, but, like, if there was a kit they made, these folks had it in stock. Like, it's, like to this day, it's, it's ridiculous the amount of Playmobil um, those folks got. Um, the second floor, like, half of the second floor were all games, and not just, like, you know, life and risk and whatever, but, like, nowadays we've got a whole lot of games out there in the world, professional quality, good, awesome games out there. That wasn't always necessarily the case, like, for a good chunk of my life, when you're talking about, you know, board games. Oh, Milton Bradley, good deal. This is what the offerings are, this is what we've got to go with, um decades before that happened, these folks had, like, all sorts of, like, indie games and, and, you know, just stuff you've never heard of, but they had it in stock, and it was freaking sweet. Um, just just a, an awesome game store. Um, and while I realize that, you know, the whole point of this thing is to constantly digress, um, I've gotten slightly off topic. Um, shock and surprise. Um, footnote before I take this thing back onto the tracks. Um, that game store is actually where I bought my first D20, um, which is, puts a little warmth in my heart. I think that's, that's a pretty sweet, um, situation there as well. Um, but anyway, this store in the summers, uh, would have sidewalk sales where they would go through, you know, their, their older stock and you know, stuff that wasn't moving, whatever. Um, and they would literally put tables out on the sidewalk in front of the store downtown and put stuff out there. It was, like, you know, stupid cheap. Um, 
and they one summer had sectors, which if you're not familiar with, and frankly I'd be shocked if most people would, um, they were toys that were um, like action figures and, and, you know, the accessories and whatnot. They were slightly... I'd say they were probably about midpoint between uh, a Masters of the Universe, like your He-Man, and a Barbie. Like, they were a little shorter um, than a Barbie, but taller than than a He-Man. Slightly more realistically proportioned than our friend He-Man. But it was on the premise that these are these human folk who are, like, part insect. Um... And, like, all the vehicles were, like, the one was, like, a giant spider, and the other was, like, a giant wasp thing. Um, and all the dudes were pretty much human-looking, except they had weird, like, bug eyes and, and antennae. Um, and they were stupid cheap. And they looked cool. Um, and were stupid cheap. And I'm like, well, I'm clearly going to, you know, get all of these that I can. And like I said, I must have been in... It couldn't have been any earlier than me being in the seventh grade, and I don't think it was any later than me being, like, a freshman in high school, maybe a sophomore. But, I mean, I'm still not some seven-year-old kid going out for these. Like, as as a, you know, moderately old young person, uh, you know, I was into this, and it wasn't just a, oh, these are cool, I'm going to get these, I'm going to leave these in the box and put them on display because things are cool. Like, no, those games came home, the, those boxes came open, I broke those dudes out, we, we, we had ourselves some insect wars. Um, and they kind of followed the same sort of, um, they took a play out of the Masters of the Universe playbook. Uh, it used to be when you bought a uh, Masters of the Universe person, at least in the very early days. I don't know if they did this all the way through or not. Um, but you get the, you get He-Man and his sword and his axe and his shield, whatever, uh, but there was a mini-comic inside that kind of told the story, um, which you kind of had to do when you got Masters of the Universe, and there, this is, you know, before there was a cartoon or anything for, to let anyone know what the hell these people are, what their basic deal is, um, but the Sectors did that, um, you know, and read those, and it gave you, I mean, it told a story, it was a little comic book, it told the story. But it also gave you just enough background history, you know, background information on the characters to know generally who they were and what their deal was that you could then build on and make your own stories based on, you know, sort of the character sketches that you got um, for those those characters. Um, And I think that that's, you know, fantastic. That was going to tie back to the Star Wars conversation at some point. Uh, I think it was all going back to the whole... Yes. So, Boba Fett, Bounty Hunter, everyone knows generally what what his deal is. Um, side note there. Um, you know, they're talking about, you know, coming out with a, a Fett standalone movie uh, like they did with Solo. And... I guess here's the situation. Um, I love me some Star Wars. I will watch pretty much any Star Wars you put in front of me. I mean, 
I'm the guy who saw The Phantom Menace six times in theaters because it was the first Star Wars. And, you know, you take Jar Jar Binks in, out of it, and you take the, oh, we're going to make a whole movie about, you know, a trade blockade aspects out of it. There were some wicked cool lightsaber fights in there, damn it. Um, and it was the first Star Wars we'd seen in, you know, decades. So I, uh, I make no excuses about having seen that film so many times in theaters. Uh, but my point is, you make a Star Wars movie, I'm going to go see that son bitch. That's just all there is to it. That said, do I feel like we need a Boba Fett movie, or would I rather you make another film based on somebody else? Um, I'm going to go with any other film. Because here's the thing with Boba Fett. Boba, the magic of Boba Fett is that he showed up in Empire Strikes Back, had like, what, two lines? Like, the man didn't speak. He was this bounty hunter. He was a badass. He tracked down the Falcon. He, you know, turned him over to Vader. Like, he really didn't do all that much on screen or whatever. Like, you don't really see him fight hardly at all, if anything. Um, but he's this mysterious character that you just assume is badass. Um, I don't think he's heard his chances that when they first came out with his toy, it was immediately a danger hazard because his little rocket on the back fired off, and they thought that was a choking hazard. It was a big to-do. And frankly, I think that fed the hype of, oh, well, this guy's clearly awesome uh, for, you know, any number of reasons. Uh, I also think it's ironic that nowadays you, you can't throw a dead cat in a toy store without having some action figure with some little launchy piece that is the reason that Boba Fett wasn't able to. But anyway, you know, Boba Fett shows up for, like, almost no time at all in Empire, and is, everyone is like, oh, this guy's awesome, because he's mysterious. You don't know much about him, and he, you, you're left to feel like he's a badass, and you just appreciate that. Um, I mean, I guess he did get previewed earlier in uh, the holiday special in the cartoon there, but, yeah, that was Boba Fett, and it looked like him, but that was a weird plot on that cartoon, and, you know, it was it was nice and all, but thankfully, not many people saw the holiday special. Um, so, most of the people who are familiar with Boba Fett know him from that, you know, the two and a half minutes of screen time he got in Empire, um, and he got that reputation. And then he comes back in Return of the Jedi, and he's just ha he's just hanging out at, at Jabba's. He's not doing anything meaningful. And I'm talking the original cuts, not the not the special edition, because they cut him in and added in new stuff, which I'm not counting as part of this conversation because most of the folks who are all about Boba Fett were all about Boba Fett before all that stuff was added in. But he shows up in Empire in, in Return of the Jedi as a guy who's hanging out at Jabba's party, and then they go out on the sail barges, and he's the guy that the blind guy wrecks into the Scarlack, which is, like, a sad way to go for somebody that everyone thinks is so badass. Okay, that's that, That's all you've got. You know, the expanded universe and fan theories and stuff about, oh, yeah, his armor, and he crawled out of the Scarlack, that'd be badass. And, you know, that's good, and they make for good stories. But... You know, if you're going to come out with a Boba Fett film, as far as I'm aware, 
you've got two choices. You either start that sucker off with him crawling out of the Sarlacc. In which case, you know, maybe I'd be interested in seeing that. Um, you get a you get a little better taste of what it's like right after the Empire falls. Or hey, maybe that whole movie doesn't even give a crap about you know the Empire of the Rebellion. It's all about you know the the criminal underworld. That's a movie I'd see because it's Star Wars, but yet it's something different, something new. Because the alternative is is you do some sort of you know Boba Fett prequel. And I just don't even understand what the point of that is. You know, you got Attack of the Clones, and they're like, spoiler alert, Boba Fett's a clone. Okay, cool, we now know his origin story. His dad was a badass bounty hunter that was the clone template for the, uh, you know, the troopers there. He wanted an unmodified clone for himself to use as a kid. That was Boba Fett. That kid was what, nine, ten, when his dad got axed by Mace Windu? His dad didn't teach him any badass bounty bounty hunterism by age nine. I'm just not I'm not I'm not buying that. That 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 kid did not come across as some sort of, you know, fucking criminal genius mastermind bounty hunter in that movie. Um so yes, he must have had some adventures and picked that stuff up elsewhere. But I don't know that I care about seeing that. Like that that's that's not compelling to me. Um I would rather them do something new and exciting, you know. I mean, I enjoyed Solo, don't get me wrong, but I also can understand where people come across as, did we really need this story? It's like, it's kind of cool to get a glimpse into, you know, his whatever, in, into his, you know, pre-A New Hope situation, but I don't know that it was ne- actually necessary. You know, when you compare that to Rogue One, which told a story that we, you know, we knew a bunch of people went and stole these plans, but it, like, told a distinct story that we didn't know before with new characters in new places doing new things that was a discrete unit. And I I think that's really what they should be doing, you know, with, with those standalone movies is have them be, you know, standalone movies. Um you know, they were talking about wanting to do one for Kenobi, and don't get me wrong, I think, you know, old Ben's a badass, and I think that'd be great, but, I mean, what are you going to do there? Like, he was a Jedi. They grabbed him when they were young and trained him as Jedi their whole lives, and, you know, a whole bunch of what old Kenobi's done, they've already shown us in Clone Wars and so forth. I mean, what you've got left is what he's doing on tattooing while he's guarding Luke. Um, don't get me wrong. There was a there was a you know a novel about Kenobi for just that thing. It was a good story, but I don't know that that would have made for the best movie or that that's a movie that people are going to necessarily want to go see. Like, I'd rather you come up with some new shit, have some different people doing some different things, you know, expand the universe in, in other ways. I mean, fuck. If you want to, if you want to keep, you know, doing this dipping into the past thing, do a Knights of the Old Republic thing. Go old school, where you've got, you know, the Jedi and the Sith duking it out, sort of a thing. I mean, the expanded universe has got a whole bunch of material there to work from that you can either adapt or just use as the basis for your new thing. And let's face it, you know, yes. Star Wars fans are aware of, you know, Knights of the Old Republic, and the diehards, you know, certainly are, 
but it's not something that's going to be as common as, oh, yeah, Han Solo, he was a smuggler. Let's think about that. Like, everybody knows that. That's not really that big a deal. Um, and the last piece is, why in God's name would you release Solo at the same time that you're releasing Deadpool 2 and Avengers? Because especially when the same studio is controlling all of that. <clears throat> like, yes, there are a lot of Star Wars fans, but there are ten years' worth of people waiting for the culmination of the Marvel Universe that was, you know, um, Avengers Infinity War. Like, that's where people are going to spend their money. Um, that's just the thing. Like, you should have known that. That was stupid. You know, for the folks that... For whatever, like... They released that that was coming out, and that Deadpool 2 was coming out, and that Solo was coming out. And I'm a hardcore, crazy-ass Star Wars guy. Of course I'm seeing Solo. I mean, I'm also fortunate to be in a situation to where I've got the money and free time to where, like, uh, I'm going to see all three of those. But that's not a universal constant. Like, there are a lot of people in this world that if they get to see those, they get to pick one, maybe two. And you're a damn fool for releasing that movie at the time that you did. If you have held off until Christmas, that movie would have made bank. But you didn't, and now you're bitching about it. Now you're holding up the whole whole show. Um, I'm about a block away from my office at this point, and I've been rambling for 37 minutes, which, for purposes of my little filibuster test, I'm going to say went fairly well. I'm pretty okay with that. Um, not sure how exciting it was to any of you. Hopefully it was. Um, you know, we're going to go from that, but, um, basically I'm going to wrap it up here. This has been, uh, episode two that may or may not remain on the, the internet, depending on how it sounds and how I feel about it. Um, I'm pulling into my lot and so I'm going to go ahead and sign off. Thanks y'all for joining and, uh, catch you around later. And that's it.